What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Oh, the horn is Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's a someplace they play football. Everything with an attitude. Got a family. I don't give a shit who we're playing. Young men play against and make his ass play. That's our framework. That's our MO with the team. Richardson breaks free on the sideline. This is a mauling, folks, a mauling. Fear the tide, honey badger. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast, powered by Bama Hammer. Tom, the show went against uh, Florida on Saturday. That's exactly what we needed, right? Man, you know, it, it was it was the tale of a couple games put into one, man. I mean, you know, you go back and you have time to reflect and – you're like a 21 point victory. And, you know, we put all these yards on the table, you know, on the board, but this game could have, this game could have, could have gotten ugly for a while based on how it started. I mean, what I mean by that is, is, is it Florida overcame adversity from a, from a quick scoring drive. They made some great plays on defense to take the lead, had the momentum, and then they let us, you know, put another one play drive together and, and then it seemed like they kind of got deflated from that point forward. But the way they started on defense, the, this game could have gone, you know, a little differently there in the second quarter. Oh, absolutely! It it, it definitely could have. This is one of those games that, uh, and look, and we have these every so often. They're almost like a coach's dream because you get to see the team perform. You get to see the team do some things on both sides of the ball that are very impressive that you can really build upon. But there's also enough there to to really still be able to get after the the uh, you know the team and and uh, a lot of stuff to work on. You know, Florida scored 21 points, and like you said, at one point they uh, they did take a lead. They did fight back from you know our quick strike. They scored their points off of turnovers. You know, we left them with short fields, and so that's certainly something that the defense can work on. It's absolutely something that the offense uh, can work on. But then the offense still held them, you know, the offense still put up, I mean, look, I mean, it was kind of an all-timer kind of game in, in terms of over 600 yards of, of total offense and, you know, defense held them for uh, two of 13 on third downs. I mean, those are hallmarks of just a dominant performance. But then you can still look at it and say, well, we were behind at one point and we missed a field goal that would have given, you know, us a, a little bit uh, a better margin of error. Uh, but in the second half, it just seemed that we were too much for them. Uh, they had guys getting injured throughout the game. Uh, you know, it was a hot day, and uh, it just seemed that we out we outlasted them. And 
and and not just outlasted them. I you know we beat them pretty soundly. I think we did beat them pretty soundly. Um, I guess what I'm referring to is when you go back and look at that that first quarter, and I and I guess I want to refer to you know after the after the field after the missed field goal, Florida had really not run the ball very much. And and to me, the the key turning point in this game of it kind of going downhill for Florida was right there at the end of the first quarter. You know, they bring in their, their you know, they, they start running the ball and handing it to their bruiser runner. And so first, you know, so so we um, they, they start off in good field position. They, they get the ball and um, they rush over uh, left tackle for 11 yards on the first down. Then second down. You know, they run the ball again. Third down, they run the ball again to him. And then third and one, Jeff Driscoll goes back and, you know, rushes for eight yards. Now they've got, you know, first and 10 at the 44. Well, next thing you know, they're at the 39-yard line. And it's a tie ball game. They've overcome two scoring, you know, two plays. We've scored on two plays so far. And it's a 14-14 game. And then he overthrows the pass that Jabril picks off, you know. Yep deep in our territory. I think he intercepts it at the 13. So my point is, do I think Florida was going to win? No, we outlasted them. But I'm just saying that for a team to give up two one-play drives of, you know, 80 yards plus and still make two plays on defense to take the lead right there, if they could have, you know, they were sitting there marching on us and running the ball effectively, and if they could have got a touchdown right there and gone up 21 to 14, I just think the game possibly could have ended differently. You know, just a, just a just a closer ball game is what I meant. Yeah, no, I I, I definitely agree with that. You know, we made we stepped up and and uh, you know got the pick there and you know really changed the momentum. That was that was sort of a heartbreaking uh, play for them uh, on offense, and they never seemed to really overcome from that. They did put up you know that uh, uh, that other touchdown or that third touchdown there in the third quarter coming. You know. Uh, you know, after some some halftime, but you know that's that's what good teams do, though, right? That they step up and, and they make a play, and and uh, you got a Jabril Washington out there, uh, you know, making that play. In uh, you know, he's in the dime and stepping in and getting some more run with uh, the injuries to Perry and or I guess Perry being out and and uh, and the injury to Jarek. I, I just think that's what good defenses do, and and uh, you know they take advantage of, of circumstances. We got after Driscoll a little bit. Uh, you know, I've got a colleague at work that that mentioned that uh, you know Driscoll, you know, he's not accurate after about 12 yards, and I think we definitely saw some of that when they had to. Uh, you know, if they could have kept it close, the personality of the game would have been different because they would have been able to use their running back a little bit more. But once we started to really get on them. And really demonstrated that we were not going to have any trouble moving the ball. It made it very tif- difficult for them to really sustain anything via the running game. They had to rely on Driscoll to keep them in a you know quote unquote you know shootout. That was the only way that they were going to win. Is it become a shootout? And Driscoll just just couldn't carry the mail. Oh yeah, he's not he's not set up for that. And um, and I don't and I don't want to take anything away from our team and the performance they had. I just like. You know, I, I just wanted to mention that this is not your typical Florida team. This is not your Florida Gators that we've grown accustomed to over the years. Okay, is as far as the the type of game that this, you know, that 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 the final score dictated. I will say that 
you know, on offense, those couple turnovers that we had in uh, Kenyon Drake and DeAndre White, I don't know that those are I don't I don't know that they necessarily did anything wrong. Um, when I went back and watched the replays, you know, Drake wasn't Drake wasn't necessarily trying to fight off three or four guys. A guy just came in there while he was stood up and ripped the ball out. And on DeAndre White, he was trying to, you know, make the cornerback miss at the same time the linebacker puts his helmet perfectly on the ball. And so when I went back and watched those plays, I was like, these were just great defensive plays. And they both happened in the first quarter, and and I don't think either guy did anything wrong there. No, I don't think so uh, either necessarily. I think that's a point of emphasis. You know, every team says that uh, that they try to emphasize uh, turnovers. You know, Muschamp's a good coach, right? And and uh, his pedigree is is on defense. And you know, Florida was leading the league in in turnovers, and and they demonstrated that right because they demonstrated a knack to put a hat or hand on the ball uh, to to force those fumbles. You know, even even the fumble that uh, that uh, Sims had, you know, the defender was reaching, was pawing out for the ball. I don't think that was, you know, that wasn't a clumsy play. That was just, uh, again, the defender being, uh, you know, having that coordination to reach out for the ball and and create that turnover. And that's something that there's, you know, we work on that too. They clearly they work on it, and they're seeing some more uh, dividends maybe than than we do in in creating fumbles. I just think some of that's going to happen in the flow of the game. It was it was kind of funny, and I found myself at, at different times when you know players were making a play, uh, and they looked like they were going to you know give that little extra effort. I mean, you want the extra effort, but there were there were you know a handful of times I said just go down, just go down, just go down. We got what we're going to get out of this play. And and maybe I was a little gun shy after seeing us put the ball on the ground so many times. Oh, oh, absolutely. What did you think of Blake Sims' performance? You know, we probably should have started off the show with with that. Um, you know, I've I've been you know I've been pretty hard on him that you know this is the best defense that that he's played since the A Day game because that was the best defense before you know that was the best defense he had faced so far as a starting quarterback and that was our own defense. I felt like he showed some good composure. I felt like he uh, they did a good job of rolling him, getting him out of the pocket, right, getting him where he had a clear path to 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 see down the field. You know, I thought he had a pretty good day. Yeah, I think so. I think for a long time, and not just this season, but you know, in the off season and and you know, last season, you know, probably for a couple of years now, we have framed the discussion. Uh, of Blake Sims around his A-Day performances. And that was logical. It's all we had. And with each successive week, we have a greater body of work. Uh, you know, I think, I think we've been fair in discussing his success as well as what we considered opportunities or weaknesses, however you want to brand that. I think he put everyone, I think he put everyone that's really paying attention, I think he, you know, he kind of put all of that discussion to bed. He's clearly the starting quarterback, uh, and he has clearly demonstrated more to us, not just you and I, but the, the fan base, the collective. He's demonstrated more to us on Saturday than everything else he's done uh, combined. He was able to throw the ball down the field, uh, hit receivers uh, in stride or with only minor adjustments. You know, you throw the ball, you know, you have an 80-yard play, ball's in the air. There typically are some adjustments on the ball. Uh, you know, receivers a lot of times were, were waiting on A.J.'s passes. And, and these looked very clean, uh, his down-the-field passes. He threw some strikes, uh, some crossing patterns. 
we've talked about us picking on the opponent's linebackers. I think we did that, uh, some strikes over the middle, uh, some slants that, uh, that we hit. You know, you talked about uh, it, uh, you know, as we were watching the game and watching it unfold, you know, when they would score, you kind of talked about this is adversity. This is, this is okay. Let's have some of this adversity and see how the team responds. You know, and in, you know, kind of in the person of Blake, but the team as well. Uh, there was a, a particular uh, drive. I think it was one of the longer drives we have had on the day. Uh, we had a third and eight, or third and twelve, and we talked about this is real football time right now. This is this is going to see. You know, we've got to maybe pull something out of the old playbook that maybe he hasn't run in in a game before. Uh, because getting this first down is critical, and it's going to tell us a lot about this young man. And he executed uh, brilliantly. Uh, I think it was later on the same drive. We had a third and eight, uh, a little closer to the goal line, and it became, you know, what are we going to do here? It's going to be a, a little more tighter, cramped field. And we threw a screen to uh, to Henry, which was a brilliant play call. Uh, and uh, and we can talk about Kiffin, but that was a brilliant play call. And of course, it was executed well. You know, look, I I said after week one that I was eating some crow on on Blake Sims. I gotta, I, you know, I've been eating a lot of crow on Blake Sims, but uh, I can I can learn and I can adapt with uh, the addition of new information. I tell you what, Blake has looked pretty good. He has, and um, you know, he he showed some toughness when when apparently they're saying it was a bruised, you know, uh, joint, uh, shoulder joint. And, um, you know, I guess you can call it a stinger. And, um, you know, when he, when he popped up and came back out of the locker room, you know, fairly fast, that, that just showed some good toughness on his part of, of wanting to get back out there. I will also say that when he did come out of the game and Coker got called on, the fact that Coker was able to, to put, you know, a few plays together and, and score a touchdown was nice for his confidence. Is it not? It's not his job, um, but I do think that at least he has something he can build on with those couple plays. It was really, and, and you know, look, we say this all the time. We don't root for injury, uh, but when you look at circumstances and how they play out, I don't know that it could have played out any better than it did. Uh, Sims was having a phenomenal day. He gets uh, dinged up on an on an effort play, has to go out. Uh, Coker, you know, he's out there kind of windmilling his arm, trying to, trying to loosen up. Uh, he goes out there, uh, has some success, you know, leads us down to a touchdown, um, leads us down for a touchdown. And then Sims comes back into the game, you know, and, and has some, has some continued success. And so I think now, let me ask you this. If Sims was otherwise, you know, we talked about McCarron. The one thing we absolutely could not have was McCarron get hurt and not be available. And when he would go down and be slow getting up, you know, we saw the season flash before our eyes, that kind of thing, right? If Sims were entrenched in the starting role as if, you know, McCarron, right? If he were entrenched in the role, would he have come back? Or would we have said, we're up on these guys, we're not having uh, any trouble, let's give the backup some reps, some opportunities? Or did we specifically want to get him back into the game, knowing that next week's a bye week, and we do not want the media generating, 
we still have this controversy. We still don't know who the quarterback is because Sims was hurt, couldn't come back into the game. Do you think we tried to deflate that topic by bringing him back in? I don't. I think okay. um, I think that was all Blake Sims. I, I think if he was medically not able to go, you know, they they wouldn't have put him back out there. I think when um, I, I think that was Blake Sims being a competitor and saying I've worked very hard, uh, especially you know over the summer to to work on everything and get to where I'm at, and um, they've cleared me to play. And how quickly can I run back out there? Because uh, um, I, I don't want to – how can I say this? I don't want somebody else to, to have this time. This is my time. I've, sure. I've, I've earned it. I'm going to – nothing that you said there do, do I so specifically disagree with anything that you said there. At the same time, I kind of I, I do disagree. And, and what I mean by that is I think if he were entrenched in the position – and that just everyone knew that he was the starter. There wasn't this controversy. There wasn't this, uh, you know, struggle for who's going to be the starter or someone's going to be named the starter, and it kind of remains in the air. If, you know, and plus, you know, coming up with, with this bye week and we want to focus the bye week on, you know, Ole Miss and those kinds of things. I think if he were the entrenched starter, all of those things about it being his time and him wanting to compete, all of that can be true. It's 100% true if he were medically uh, not available, we would not have forced him out there. So I don't agree with – I don't disagree with those two points, but I do think there's something. There's a little mustard on top that says if he can go, let's get him back out there to, to demonstrate that he is our starter. Okay. Well, uh, what do you – I just, you- I just don't think Saban wanted to spend the, the next two weeks – Oh, now who's going to be your starter because he was hurt? You know, Saban can very clearly say, well, I don't know. He went back out on the field and led us for another touchdown drive. What What are you really asking? I don't think that – I think that he unplugged all of the questions that he otherwise would have gotten. Okay, that's fair. What did you, what did you think real quick about the um, – we talked during the game about the opening play call. You know, we talked about how the effectiveness of that play – I agree with your comment at the game that on that on that first scoring strike, I think that that was effective because it was a uh, a running back, yep, and b because it was our third string tailback. And as much as teams get to look at footage and all that kind of stuff, we haven't showcased Drake a bunch in the passing game in our first three games, and so uh, I thought it was a great. Uh, I thought. I thought it was a great way to do it, and I thought it was great that they did it on the opening play, right? Because the opening play, teams get out there, right, and they're just kind of getting going, right? Mm-hmm. That play might not even worked as well in the second quarter as it did on the opening play. No, I think you catch you catch you know teams flat footed. You know how often does someone take a strike down the field on the first play from scrimmage? How many times have we not gone to to Cooper? It's almost a rhetorical question because I don't know the answer. But how many times have we not gone to Cooper on the first play of the game? You know you roll. Uh, you know sometimes you roll. Uh, you know, a tight end out or, you know, especially a, a running back with the speed uh, of Drake, you put him out there to see how they're going to, uh, you know, to play that so that you have that information set aside for the rest of the game. It's not, it may not be that you're intending to pull the trigger on that. 
we're just going to move him out there and see what and see what they take over there with them. If they slide their coverage and so he's got a corner on him, well then we're not going to throw to him. But when they carry a linebacker all the way across out of the backfield, you know, from the middle of the field uh, all the way out, well, ding, 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 ding. You know, that's that's the slot machine hitting in Vegas. We're going to put this ball up because they're doing exactly what we didn't think that they would do. Uh, but they're, you know, but we also know that this play goes hot anytime they they're going to carry a linebacker over on uh, on Kenyon Drake because I just don't think they make linebackers that that go you know that go that fast. And so the first play of the game, you know, it was brilliant to to do that, put him out there. Let's see how they're going to defend this. Oh, they're going to defend it incorrectly. Well, then let's let's go cash this check then. And uh, I thought it was brilliant. Uh, yeah, I, I absolutely thought it was brilliant. You couldn't have done that with the receiver. You know, you couldn't have even done that with a, a DeAndre because because they're going to put a corner over there. They're going to put uh, you know uh, someone with a greater speed and greater coverage ability. And then you know that they're sliding cover, uh, you know, with Hargroves and, and the rest of their backfield towards uh, towards Amari. Yeah, it was a, just a, you know, I could go on on that play. That was just a brilliant play call. Another thing that caught my eye during the game was a play in the second quarter where where Blake Sims went deep to Amari Cooper, and uh, Cooper almost brought it down. Had had a safety not been playing so deep at that point to to get in there and and uh, deflect the ball with his leg. But what really stood out for me on that play was the pass protection. And specifically, you know how Derrick Henry talked after the game about how he was a little tentative early in the game mm-hmm. due to having his you know, shoulder you know, being banged up? Yep. Well, he was back in the backfield in the shotgun. He went to, to block the end on, you know, as, the, as the end was pursuing the, the, uh, the play, uh, pursuing the quarterback. And Henry doesn't really, really – doesn't really give a great effort there to, to block the guy. Well, the guy was about to hit Blake Sims. And the next thing you know, you see Brian Vogler and Austin Shepard, who were, it was a three-man blitz. It was a three-man rush, in other words. And so they had Max Protect in there with, what, six guys on the line, and they had Derrick Henry, so they had seven guys. Mm-hmm. And so there were seven guys blocking three. Well, I just wanted to kind of comment on the effort for a second is that how many times do we see, you know, three guys blitzing, you know, the quarterback and they still get to the quarterback. And it's like, how the hell did that happen? You got five or six guys. And so as soon as he came free and was about to hit Blake Sims, you know, Brian Vogler and Austin Shepard peel off and they both just steamroll the guy. And, and then you look on the other side and both, uh, both Ari and the freshman are sitting here sealing off the other guy. And my point is, is that, you know, yes, Blake Sims had a good game, but once again, he was clean and he didn't have anybody hanging off of him and he wasn't having to throw off his back foot. And I just want to just comment about the offensive line because it was a quiet game from them because, you know, Blake Sims didn't really have to run for his life, you know, hardly at all. No, and that's, you know, hats off to the, uh, I, I don't want to necessarily use that as a mark against against Blake, right? Because, no, no. Uh, you know, I think that's, that's just stellar offensive line play. And, uh, you know, and he's just a, a recipient of that. And, you know, the reality is that, you know, pundits were considering Florida one of the better defenses, you know, certainly in the SEC and maybe even nationally, 
I wonder if maybe that wasn't inflated a little bit because, you know, not only did we we have a, a, a big day, but, you know, we had a sort of an all-timer type career day. You know, the, the amount of big plays, we have a receiver go over 200 yards. We have a quarterback, you know, pass for over over 400 offense well over 600 those are those are not just good you know Tommy we've been Alabama fans for a long time that's not just good day stuff that is all-timer stuff I mean we've sat in the stands and we thought you know we've seen us win two games and not get 600 yards of total offense right I mean that we've seen us go you know a couple of weeks and not put up those kinds of numbers uh even against you know La Tech you know La Techs and Southern Misses Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I, the, it was definitely not a slight on Blake. It was just a comment that sure. with a, with a young quarterback and what he is, you know, what he's kind of coming into his own, it has definitely helped the, uh, the play of the offensive line. Yeah. Um, I also want to, I wanted to also talk about, you know, just Lane, get Lane Kiffin's schemes, specifically his use of the fullback and the tight end. We talked about before the season, how much we were going to enjoy seeing a healthy Justin Fowler yep. and how he was going to be used in this offense. I find it intriguing how much we are not bringing in the four, five, and six wide receiver. There are numerous times in the formations that we only have Cooper and White, not even Christian, Christian Jones. We just have White and Cooper in the game and then we have Fowler or Brian Vogler or O.J. Howard split out wide as well. And I just find that interesting that, that we are typically going with just two or three wide receivers in our package and at least two, if not all three, tight ends on the field at the same time. Yeah, we are uh, – you know, I don't have an answer for it. We're being very – we're still being diverse. Uh, we're seeing a lot of the, the different personnel packages – and I think if you know if, if uh, you know Kenyon's your running back and OJ's your your tight end, yeah, you know even in the two receiver set, you have some pretty viable options down the field. Now that's not all that we're seeing. We are seeing you know a little more jumbo with you know with Fowler in there. We actually split Wilder, uh, Fowler out wide and went down the field uh, with him once, which I thought was a pretty intriguing play call. I just it it, it is interesting, you know, kind of to your point that we can put up these just you know, breakneck numbers, and we're doing a lot of offensive play from, you know, 12 personnel or, you know, like you said, with just, just a couple of receivers out there. Another thing that jumped out at me in this ball game was just the continued use of our tight ends and fullbacks in this Lane Kiffin offense. And we, we knew we were going to see a lot of Jostin Fowler in this offense, we didn't see a lot of the eye formation in this game early, but we continued to see, you know, the tight ends and the fullbacks, you know, split wide. And what's so interesting about that is with the kind of yards that we put up in this ball game, you would think that we were running four wides and pitching and catching to all of our wide receivers. Well, we're only playing three wide receivers most of the game. Chris Black played a little, our Darius Stewart a little. But we're predominantly DeAndre White and Amari Cooper out there with three tight ends a lot of times. And so I just think it's interesting the matchups that he's doing with, you know, three tight ends slash H backs and two wide receivers. 
Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's a function of how you want to count, you know, Jousting. Is, is he a tight end or is he uh, a running back? You, you know, we're in a lot of 21 personnel or, or 12 personnel, uh, you know, which only leaves two openings for wide receivers. And so it is interesting. You know, you would think we'd be pit, playing pitching and catch with, you know, four or five receivers to put up these kinds of numbers. But, uh, you know, we're running a lot of two tight ends, uh, a running back, you know, kind of a full house backfield uh, situation. You know, we'll go three wide sometimes, but we're seeing a lot uh, of just two wide. And I thought that was, you know, to your point, that's kind of interesting that, that we're seeing that and we're still not having a problem putting up uh, big numbers uh, and big strikes down the field. Again, with, against a, a defense, you know, I'm of the opinion that they're not as good as people thought they were, but, you know, it's still, you know, they still do have one of the better corners that we're going to see, uh, and they do still have SEC talent. You know, it's still Florida, and under Muschamp, you know, they can still recruit. I think it's pretty impressive that we're, a, we're able to do this kind of production or see this kind of production from those types of personnel groupings. Those are Stallings. You know, and I'm not mad at Stallings. I love the guy, but you know, these are Gene Stallings personnel groupings, not uh, uh, you know, you know, a Chip Kelly to name a name. These are not high, high production right groups, right? Well, and it makes you wonder if we're doing this some because we do have a young quarterback in the system. Yes, he's a fifth year senior, but he's young in this role. And it makes you wonder if we're just surrounding him with our go-to guys because now that White was back healthy in this ball game, he had six catches behind Cooper's 10. Well, we threw the ball to eight different people, okay? But Chris John Jones only had one reception for four yards. Mm -hmm. The other guys were tight ends and and running backs. And so when you look down this starting roster, you see Chris John Jones, fifth-year senior, DeAndre White, fifth-year senior. Brian Vogler, fifth-year senior. Justin Fowler, fifth-year senior. It just makes me wonder is because we talked in the, you know, we talked before the season of, of this is the, the deepest wide receiver, you know, talent we've had, right? And we, we talked about how we were going to see Cam Sims and Chris Black and our Darius Stewart, Robert Foster. And I, I just think it's interesting with all of this plethora of talent, okay, and yes, they're younger, they're freshmen and sophomores. I just didn't expect with the talent we have that we would be working into the offense so much tight end and running backs and not these other wide receivers. Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, this is, you know, and, and I have sort of an opinion on that, and I want to be very careful with my opinion because two things can be true at once. I think Blake Sims is playing phenomenal. And I think the, the the play calling and the personnel groupings and uh, and the support that we are providing him is allowing us to uh, to achieve. And he what he demonstrated on Saturday, uh, you know, there's there's not an ounce uh, that can be taken away from that. Uh, and 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 I really do mean that. I do think also though, you know, like I said, two things can be true at once. I think we are maximizing his skill his ability, what he contribute, what he can contribute with the players that we put around him. And yes. that's what's that's why we're seeing those types of uh, of personnel groupings. If it were Coker or if, you know, and maybe it's not, I don't know, but if it were Coker or if it were McCarron last year or if it were another quarterback who maybe were uh, a little more capable at throwing the ball, 
down the field with a little more precision. Uh, and again, I, I'm running out of room to even be able to say that anymore. But I, I do wonder if it were a different quarterback, if we would be making the same play calls. And I don't at all mean that negative against Sims. I just, I just wonder. Uh, and, and to the, the extent that maybe there's some truth to that, it just really goes back and underscores what Kiffin is bringing to us. Oh, sure. And it's just a fun nuance that I wanted to mention for the listeners that we've got all this talent on wide receivers and we pitched the ball to eight different guys and put up 400 and, you know, something yards passing from Sims. And oh, by the way, he only threw it to, you know, three wide receivers. Just a funny nuance. Anything else that jumped out at you on, on offense? The biggest thing, and and we've covered this, but it just it just jumped out just to me so much, is that he was and, and he in the person of Sims was doing things on the field that I did not think he could do, and I, I have nothing to to say to that other than just I'm glad certainly, uh, and I'm impressed. Uh, I'm very pleased with uh, uh, with what we saw uh, from Sims and. You know, we'll look uh, look for a lot more of that as the season progresses. I, I will say, and and I agree with you. I, I will say that I noticed that they were rolling him out of the pocket a lot. He seems to be very comfortable now on the run throwing yes. the ball, and so they're not dropping him back in the pocket and and him having to read his progressions. So what I what I will say is is that you know I do I do think he's turned a corner. I do think he has secured the spot as the starting quarterback. Okay. I was expecting this Florida defense to bring some adversity to him that I don't think they brought. Okay. Does that mean that everybody played a great game, offensive line, wide receiver core, support staff, and in addition to Blake Sims? Sure. But the last test that I will need to see from Blake Sims is the blitz package in his face, hanging on his arm, hanging on his leg. What decision do you make then? Okay. No, no problem for him that he didn't see that. I expected Florida to make him uncomfortable and they did not make him uncomfortable. So I still say we've yet to have a team make him uncomfortable. And, you know, like you said, and I agree, it's no fault of his. Uh, Wouldn't it be interesting if we never see that? Because oh, be of awesome. the scheming and the play calling and the play of the other players. So, you know, I'm certainly good with that. You know, the, the one thing about, about Sims and, you know, what he brings with his, with his feet uh, is an incredible dynamic that we've not seen, you know, at that position in, in quite a while. And there were a couple times, and I almost give him credit for this, because he is, he is very capable with his feet. But unless it's the, a play call design run, you know, a read option, which, you know, frankly, those are the, are those are the plays that haven't been performing. Uh, but when he, when he does kind of roll out and his options are, uh, are covered, it, it is not his immediate thought to run. He tries, and maybe he's trying to be something that he's not. It's, this would be sort of an interesting kind of, you know, psychological deal, though. I wonder if he knows this is – what I can do in this play, but I don't want to be just the running quarterback. Uh, I, I, there were some times where we were yelling, just run the ball, just run the ball, because he had, you know, the first down or he had uh, a substantial gain to, to help move the chains. And so there's a balance between just running all the time willy-nilly 
and running when it's when it's the right time. And it's probably impossible to get that 100% checked off. There was just a couple of times, there was not once that he ran the ball that I didn't think he should run the ball, but there was probably two or three times where I thought that he should have run the ball and he didn't. No, I would agree with that. I don't want to be the guy that's that's always going to find something wrong with this play just because, or for whatever reason, you know, I didn't think he could play the position because of things that I had seen. I have now seen things that convinces me that he can play the position. So, yes, I have changed my tune on Sims with the uh, addition of new information. Now, I think I want to do the same thing that I did m- with McCarron last year is just pick on those those little nits or those little tweaks. And I want to make sure that I'm doing that fairly because in my mind, he's the starting quarterback. Now, I'm looking at the things that the starting quarterback is doing. I'm not looking for reasons that he shouldn't be playing. No, I agree with that. I understand what you're saying. And one other quick thing I want to mention, because I know we got to flip the field to defense. I am a little surprised that Chris John Jones is not worked into this offense more. When DeAndre White came back, and I'm glad he's back. I'm glad he's not gone for the year. Yeah. The, the poor kids had a lot of adversity. I did not expect in his first game back for him to be the second leading receiver with six touches yep. and Chris John Jones be sitting there with one. Now, also understand in the West Virginia game that DeAndre White had six catches in that ball game. And so he's just picking up where he left off. Yep. Um, and I'm not calling Chris John Jones MIA, but I'm a little surprised that they're not working him into the offense a little more. Yep. No, I, you know, the fact I, I do agree with that. Uh, I do think hats off to DeAndrew. I think it's phenomenal having him back. Uh, I think he can sort of, you know, maybe pull some coverages away from Amari. I think that he can make Amari's life easier. Uh, I think he can demonstrate. I, I personally think he's a little bit more dynamic than Chris John, but uh, I, it does, at the same time, uh, I'm surprised that, uh, that Chris John isn't getting a little more opportunities. And if I were to go kind of sarcastic, snide comment on that, uh, I might say that Chris John's getting plenty of yards in the return game that gives someone else a chance to catch the ball. <laughs> Fair enough. Who gets your mini game ball on offense? Longtime listeners will understand that, the, the hidden joke there. You know what? I was going to go DeAndrew, but uh, I'm not. I'm actually going to go TJ Yeldon. You know, we went into. I don't know. Where, I don't know what. He's we not went. a mini game ball recipient, man. Well, I think qualify. for. I think no, but for his performance in in this in this game, you know, we went into the Wildcat a couple times. We haven't seen that uh, in a little bit, and they were both. Uh, I, I saw it twice, and I think both times uh, went for first downs. <clears throat> he he may be our lead back, but he actually had the fewest uh, uh, the fewest yards in this game. But he had some very critical. Uh, keep the chains moving, uh, first down conversions. And so for a very underrated uh, performer, you know, kind of people are looking for Drake and and Henry, and people kind of forget about uh, TJ. For a very underrated uh, uh, national running back, I'm giving him the nod for uh, him stepping in there and converting some first downs. Okay, fair enough. You know, for for me – I am going to to give the nod to another guy that is kind of hard to give a it's hard to give a mini game ball uh, in this situation just with the just with the disbursement of of sure. of the ball and 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 who was you know we we just talked about you know we, we don't have a lot of backups you know getting the same run that we would expect them to run 
And so I'm, I'm going to give your boy, Jostin Fowler, the ball. I know okay. he doesn't qualify, but I just, I, you know, I just love what he brings to this offense. Um, I love his, his ability to, you know, to, to get the touchdown catch in the end zone and his ability to do that uh, yet again. He had five last year. I just love him in the flats. I love him blocking, leading the eye formation. I love him split wide. I love them just putting him all over the field. And um, we're, we're finally getting to see the fruits of his labor. And uh, he's going to play in the NFL for a long time if he can stay healthy. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I think that, uh, you know, it was a couple of years ago before he got injured that, that he was popping up all over the field and contributing uh, in, in little ways little contributions in a lot of aspects and and that equals a lot of contribution right and we talked about when he goes when he went down it's going to take more than one person to replace him because he did so many fa- he had so many facets and roles and aspects of of what he could do uh it would take three or four guys to to fill each of those individual holes and what made him so wonderful is that not that he couldn't be replaced, but he was one person doing each of those things, which gave us multiple options. It gave us the options of being multiple because one player can do all of these different things. I have long been a tremendous fan of Justin Fowler, uh, and uh, I, I definitely endorse the mini game ball there. All right, man. What jumped out at you on defense? What was the first thing that caught your eye? You know, well... Tony Brown starting at, at corner, and it wasn't un, it wasn't a big surprise. I, I think it was pretty known that that was going to be the case with with uh, Eddie Jackson being out. But uh, look, we got a question uh, in Facebook. You know, you teed me up for what was the first thing I saw. First thing I looked for was Tony Brown and watched some of his performance. And so uh, I'm going to throw right at you the question that we got in um, uh, you know over Facebook when uh, Eddie Jackson comes back. Does Tony uh, take Cyrus's job? And so you think Cyrus, you think Tony Brown, you think Eddie Jackson coming back, you know, for the traditional two cornerback uh, positions. We've got three guys I think that have acquitted themselves well. Uh, what's what's the rotation? Who who comes up a seat short? You know, I think the politically correct thing to do is they're gonna they're gonna put Tony on the bench. If Eddie comes back quick enough, I think they're gonna give the nod to Eddie and Cyrus. My preference would be Eddie and Tony. I, I will say, you know, when we when we got to defense here, I I wanted to talk about how you know right after that quick score uh, for Alabama, Florida comes back on the field and they go right at Tony Brown with Robinson, and he barely overthrows him back to your twelve yard you know accuracy for Driscoll. I mean, he barely you know he had Tony beat first play. Let's go after the true freshman. And uh, they barely missed. And then um, on the other side of the field, they're picking on Maurice Smith. They had a completion. Landon knocks him out of bounds so he, before he puts his foot down. And so, you know, right out of the gate, Florida's going after the two, you know, going going deep passes. And they they were just inches from from completing two of those to start the game. And so that that wasn't your question. I, you know, so, so specifically your question is I think it'll be Cyrus and Eddie. Yeah. If if Eddie comes back quickly, but I do think uh, I do think Tony should be one of those two. You know, it, it, it's boring when I agree with you all the time, but I think that I think for the experience factor, it would be, uh, and it's not like one of them's a three year starter or anything, but for the experience factor, 
Uh, I do think it would be, uh, you know, Cyrus and Eddie, but I think that we would absolutely look for opportunities to get Tony uh, out there. Uh, I predicted, you know, preseason guide and all that stuff, that it would be uh, Eddie Jackson and Tony Tony Brown, and so I've kind of got uh, some investment in in that option. But I've not seen Cyrus do anything to to lose the position. We talked talked about it being an open competition uh, at that position specifically, and the competition carrying well into the season. I have not seen Cyrus do anything uh, to demonstrate that he can't hold up his end of the bargain at that position. Uh, I've not seen him do anything uh, this season to show that he's not, uh, you know, living up to his end of the bargain there. So I'm not in a hurry to take him off the field, is even though uh, I, I I am in a hurry to see Tony Brown play more. So I, you know, I don't know how that nets out. I really don't. It goes back to the the thing that we've kind of jokingly asked ourselves, you know, do we have too many good players? Because you can't take him off the field just because you want to see Tony Brown, but it doesn't make me want to see Tony Brown any less. I understand what you're saying. I, I have to disagree with you on Cyrus. Do I think Cyrus has won the job outright at corner like Blake Sims has a quarterback? No, he has not. I think the jury is still out. You know, has Cyrus given up a lot of big plays? No. Has Cyrus shut down that side of the field? No, he has not. Um, teams teams of far less talent have been able to complete 15 and 20-yard passes against Cyrus in either it was either the Florida Atlantic game or the Southern Miss or, or one sure. completion in both. And so, you know, every corner is going to give up a pass. I'm not yeah. saying that. I'm just saying that ha- has he like, has he like said, I'm, you know, has he outright won the job and deserves to be one of the corners on the field? No, I think the bye week comes at a great time for Tony Brown. Unlike the quarterback competition, those curtains are pulled. These curtains are wide open. There's open competition uh, this bye week couldn't come in a better time for Eddie Jackson and Tony Brown. And this will be the Tony Brown, Eddie Jackson, Cyrus Jones, and Maurice Smith show. I think Maurice Smith has actually played pretty well uh, when he's been thrust in when they had to move Geno. And so I think it's open competition for those four corners in the next two weeks. Yeah, I do too. I, I do think there's some separation amongst those first three and, and Mo Smith. But I, I like, I like the trajectory that, that, uh, that Smith is on, you know, Cyrus is not, you know, a Deion Sanders. I'm not going to say that he's a lockdown, you know, corner, but, uh, I don't know that Florida, uh, you know, completed any or many passes against him. I just think he's a guy that, uh, as and, and look, fan bases will do this. Alabama fans will do this, you know, burn me once. I forget about you kind of, kind of mentality. And so I think we saw Sylvie drop from, you know, the starter to, to maybe third string, you know, coming out of that West Virginia game. And I, and I still think both of those corners and maybe our entire cornerback roster was branded negatively from that performance. And, you know, I hate to call out a player, but if you were to put a name on it, you know, it would be Bradley. You know, Cyrus made, I thought some, you know, I go back to that game. He made some very good plays in that game. In they the just, end zone, yep. But just there, he was beat a couple of times that I don't think anybody would have not been beaten or, or very few corners would have not been beaten. And so, 
that contributed to him sort of being branded with our bad secondary. But uh, I think he's going to be one of those guys that's just silent, 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 but productive in his own in his own way. And I think he's going to be hard to get off the field. I really do. I really do believe that. And I still hope that there's you know valiant competition. And I just think if he's beat out, it's not because he's not performing. It's just because someone else has just come in and 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 done some wow stuff. Oh sure, which, and oh sure, and in the West Virginia game, to be fair, right? We had a we had a quarterback that was used to running a four and five wide system. Sure, with some really good wide receivers. Those are by far the best receivers as a whole core, right? Yeah. That Alabama's faced all year. Yeah, I agree with that. Hey, what you what you think of? I, there there was there was some times though. That that Landon Collins, you know, bailed out Tony Brown and bailed out Maurice Smith. You had to love his range in center field. I, I didn't expect that from him in this ball game. You know, part of the part of a, a really really good free safety is bailing people out, uh, and that's why I think that you know we like to see someone back there with a little greater speed than than what we've seen with Vin, you know it's almost comical Vinny Sinceri back there is a free safety. Uh, and we've seen Nick Perry lose that job uh, a couple of times. I don't think that you can, uh, you, you know, if you're wondering why, you know, you're seeing Landon Collins come out of the, uh, the I'll call him like our uh, Richard Johnson plays, right, where he just comes from nowhere across the field and, uh, and, and bats the ball. You know, I, it's what we know and love about Landon Collins. And, and I'll tell you one of the plays, and, and we watched it on the, on the Jumbotron a couple of times when they replayed it, one of the more impressive plays, and it just speaks to his, his, his mental awareness and his physical ability. You know, he comes streaking over, you know, the visitor sideline on the, the, you know, what is it, the north end, uh, towards the north end zone, and uh, bats the ball, potentially prevents a, a reception. Ball goes up in the air, and Landon knows that he's not going to be able to intercept it. He's not going to be able to pick it off, and so he just bats it away from the players just kind of bats it away from where their receiver is. And that just, and it, it's like, you know, you, you watch sports and when they show things in, in slow motion, it, it makes things look so simple. And it just, it felt like he was doing that play in slow motion. He jumped up. Oh, I'm not going to be able to catch that, but the receiver is still uh, over here to, to my left. So let me just bat this a little bit to my right. So I know that, that uh, when all those sort of sorts out, no one's going to get the ball. That's just to me. That is that was sort of one of those wow moments that only special players can deliver. There you go, Landon Collins, your special moment. Hey, you know what? We had a, the we had the Mosley watch last year. I wonder if we don't need a Landon Collins watch. Well, being at the strong safety position, okay, the range that he showed on a couple of those plays, it probably speaks more to his football IQ, right, and yep. knowing where to be on the field. But you don't expect you don't expect that play you're talking about from him. I expected Gino to make that play in the sure. Take nothing away from Gino, but Gino's the free. Landon's the strong safety. Right. And so I was just surprised no, that's true. That, that's true. that he was making those plays and not Gino. No, that's true. And and if we're playing a split coverage and and whatnot, you know, there could be there could be reasons, formation reasons, you know, for that. But uh but yeah, you know, it, you know, if we're going to talk about good performances, 
Uh, I don't think Gino necessarily had bad performances. I think he was beat once, maybe flagged another time. I won't have to say that I'm surprised not seeing the big plays from him uh, that that I expected. Uh, I kind of went all in on Gino. I said he would be an All America candidate if uh, if he was a full time starter. So uh, I may have some crow to eat on that front too because I'm just not seeing. I mean, I still like the guy. Don't get me wrong, and I still think he's he has uh, an incredible amount of talent. Uh, I'm just not seeing him make uh, the kinds of plays in the secondary that, uh, you know, we're seeing Landon make them. They're being made, but uh, I was expecting to see his his name and number called uh, in a positive fashion a little more often. Well, I'm not I'm not mad at him because it was kind of a, you know, kind of a quiet performance. Like, you know, there wasn't anything too much to stand out there. Sure. I wonder if Geno Smith is being asked to do a lot of different things. Because he was, you know, going to be the star, and then he has to quickly change gears with the injury, uh, and has to move to the free. And so, I, I, I think his primary comfort level appears to me mm-hmm. to be the star. Yeah, and I think he enjoys playing the slot guy, blitzing the quarterback, and that's his comfort zone. Yep. I don't think he. I don't think he likes being in center field as much. No, and that's fair. I think that. Uh... You know that's where in the in the in the star position is kind of where he's made his hay, right? You know when he came in, you know as a as a freshman, that's where he made his reputation. You know last year, uh, later in the season when he finally got uh, the opportunity to uh, contribute, when he was on the field, he made big plays, uh, and it was coming out of that that position. So if he's on the field, uh, like you said this year, with due to some of the injuries and and uh, and what have you. Uh, if we're, if, you know, to the extent that we are moving him around, yeah, that can absolutely contribute. You know, maybe Landon Collins spoiled us, right? Because we moved him all over the secondary last last year, and uh, he just made more plays in the next place uh, than he, you know, than the than the time before. There, there was no drop off. It seemed to be that he was every time he moved to move positions, he seemed to ascend uh, in, in what he was contributing. So maybe maybe I'm a little bit spoiled in that respect. No, that's true. Anything else jumped out at you on defense? You know what? We held them, I think I mentioned this earlier, two of 13. Two of 13 on third downs. That is impressive. That's, you know, it's, you know, third down, that's when some fans actually start paying attention on defense because they, you know, we're about to get the ball back. And that's what some people only want to watch. And so, you know, those are pressure situations. You know, coaches, offensive coordinators save some of their best material for third downs. And, uh, you know, you could accidentally get more than two from third, two out of 13, you would think. Uh, You could almost just trip and fall and do better than two of 13. So uh, hats off to to the defense in general for that type of shutdown performance. Oh, absolutely. I noticed we played a lot more of our base nickel in this game. Yep. You know, we kind of talk about the rabbit package. I, I just want to quickly mention that I am surprised we're still not seeing much from Dylan Lee. We're not seeing much run from Reuben Foster. We are not seeing Sean Dion Hamilton, which I also expected. So when I, when I say some of those names, it goes back to what I said about wide receiver, right? It's like we're going with the veteran guys, right? We're, we're hanging our hats on the veteran guys. And so you know, Trey DePriest was out there almost the whole game. And Denzel Duvall was out there an awful lot. And so 
you know, Reggie Ragland is the only newcomer there as far as the linebacker core. But I just find it interesting how we're doing this. We're running a lot of base nickel. Xavier Dixon and Ryan Anderson are getting a lot of run in pass situations. And they are like our rabbit rushers, and they are doing a really good job of that. And they're, they're, they're coming in fresh, and that's when, that's when they're coming on the field. But the predominant base formation has Trey and Reggie Raglan, and it surprises me that those are the only two linebackers we're seeing in the game. Yeah, we're, we're seeing a mighty lot of them. And, and, you know, we've talked about this, right, that they can be picked on over the top. And Florida did that a couple of times. First and, series, real quick. I'm glad you said that. I'm surprised they didn't go back to that more often. Yeah, because, that, because I love Raglan and, and Trey Priest. They're like, you know, the prototypical middle linebackers, you know, 12 years ago, right? They're, they're kind of flashbacks in, in, in that way because they are a line – they, they're the, they are a linebacker, right? They back the line, right? They, they, they play at the line of scrimmage. Uh, linebackers now uh, are almost a hybrid, you know, strong safety type of, uh, type of play uh, where instinctively their first step is back instead of forward. You know, we got a couple of guys where instinctively their first step is forward. And, uh, you know, yeah, Florida should have taken advantage of that. Other teams will take advantage of that. But, um, you know, we keep we keep rolling rolling them out there. They continue to be very productive. Uh, I I just think that uh, you know, and Dylan Lee was the guy that I thought you know, look, I thought that he was going to be a starter, and so I've been very surprised uh, at the at the lack of of what we've seen out of him. Uh, and I very much did expect that uh, uh, we would start to see that we would definitely see more linebackers uh, because I do think that we're going to need a C.J. Mosley type, someone who can drift back into coverage. And maybe when we feel like we have that need, we just go straight to Don. Uh, because I think that, and I should chart this or something, because I feel like I've said this before, but I just feel like we're seeing more dime this year Yes. than we have before. Yes, and it makes you wonder if that's going to, like you said, that's the, if that's the way we're going to address that situation. Yeah, because when we've talked about this, right, when we've, when we've lined up in dime, it's been pretty interesting that we'll walk to, uh, and it's been Gino, and it's been Mo, and it's been Jabril. We've done it with a couple different guys, but we've walked them up into really outside linebacker positions, uh, at least you know, in, at least formation wise. You know, if you were putting your X on the chalk chalkboard, uh, and and you put you know three or four down linemen, and you put four linebackers down, they're manning those two outside. What would be those two outside linebacker positions? And then of course. From there, they can blitz or they can, they can you know, shade back in, in coverage. They're playing the type of position, really, that seems custom-made for someone like a Vinny Sinceri. Oh, yes, and there was a third-down play in the second half where we were in a dime, and we had Jabril and Gino in center field, and we walked landing up in that yep. linebacker box. Yep. And he took away the inside position of the tight end, almost like he was protecting. He went and ran with the tight end down the hash instead of Trey and Reggie Raglan having to do it. Yeah, and so that's where I wonder if that's what we're using as that C.J. Mosley-style linebacker, right? Are we going to a dime and then putting Landon kind of in the box and then playing a nickel on top of it? Or are we walking two guys down and really playing a base four DBs on top of that? 
I like the multitude. I like the multi, you know, uh, the multiples that that gives you. But um, I, you know, it's interesting that we don't have a true linebacker. Well, we don't have uh, an athletic linebacker that can do a little bit of both. That we're making up that uh, that deficiency with our defense with our DBs. And I also wonder, Saban, who loves coaching DBs, if that's not sort of his his panacea. Oh, no, that's true. Hey, one other quick thing. We saw Rashawn Evans, true freshman, on critical third and long situations. Yes. And so, once again, he's getting a run as one of the four down linemen on big uh, third down plays. Yeah, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that. I expected uh, and and almost kind of maybe even tried to predict that we would see a lot of our pressure package, uh, that we would see the Deshaun Hand, the the uh, the Ryan Anderson and we did see some some Anderson that we would see you know Evans and and Xavier Dixon that we would really just get after Driscoll. We did a couple of times and ran a couple of stunts, but we didn't just put in sort of the bookend rushers uh, like like we had seen. And and so I started you know wondering why 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 would that be? Do you think that uh, we just wanted to try to keep Driscoll in the pocket and almost force him to beat us? with his arm rather than giving him an opportunity to run? If what you have heard from your coworker is true, then I absolutely think that's what we were doing. Well, he certainly demonstrated that uh, on a couple of play calls that, uh, that he could move the ball. Uh, he moved the chain a couple times with his feet, but uh, uh, he also proved that he could not uh, consistently move the chain with, with his arm. And so I just, I just wonder, uh, you know, if that's not something we did intentionally, I, I have to think that we really, really did, uh, because otherwise he seemed like a prime candidate that he could be flustered, uh, I guess. And so if he could be flustered, you know, but then maybe he gets outside of the pocket and, he, and then he becomes dangerous. Uh, but if he gets flustered because people are covered, but he also can't run, then I wonder if he really, if that's not really the chokehold that we wanted to put on him. So we've contained him at the line, so he can't run, but then no one's open. And so we kind of suffocate him in that way. No, I think that's true. And the stats bear it out, right? He was nine of 28 throwing the ball and he was, you know, had 11 carries for five and a half yards a carry. Right. So, uh, I I definitely think, um, I'm surprised real quick. I know we need to, to get to special teams, but I'm surprised they didn't do more of the zone read action in that first, you know, couple possessions. They, they did the zone read look and faked it to the running back and threw it to that tight end over the flats, over the big linebackers. And I'm just surprised they didn't do more of that Tim Tebow type of formation with Driscoll just to give us another look. Yeah. To give us another look to see how we're going to uh, consistently defend that, you know, right and left. Uh, they just seem to not, not want to do much of that. You know, maybe they weren't, maybe they weren't getting the looks or the reads at the line of scrimmage. Uh, that they wanted to call that that gets a little deeper knowledge than 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 I have. I wish I did, but uh, you know, I wonder if it doesn't start to uh, to be those types of uh, you know sort of deep dive uh, reasons. I got you. Hey, who gets your uh, who gets your mini game ball on defense? Yeah, I have succeeded in uh, having a guy down as my mini game ball recipient that we didn't that we've not yet mentioned, uh, and in fact. Uh, almost from a personnel grouping that, that we did not mention, uh, which is tough for us to to do. But I'm giving my mini game ball to Jaron Reed. You know, solos and assists. He had five tackles, uh, one for a loss, 
Uh, he had a pass breakup. Uh, I think he gave us the the push uh, in the middle and kept some of our linebackers free in the middle. Uh, it was a game where he did what it feels like we brought him here to do. And so kind of uh, as, as I watched uh, his contributions in that way, I, I, I think he's deserving of the mini game ball. Okay. Well, I'm going to give mine uh, to a to a guy that that um, you know uh, definitely started off the game wrong, but I'm going <laughs> to give mine to to Jabril Washington. Okay. You know, I, I think on the on the touchdown play, he was looking for Cyrus. You know, we didn't talk about this play earlier, but he was looking for Cyrus to take the outside guy, and Cyrus was you know dead set on it was. Cyrus definitely thought I've got the man in my face sure. and Jabril was not on that page. And when, when, when the guy goes and runs a slant, Jabril throws his hands up running behind him. Like, what were you doing? I guess we'll never truly know, you know, was Cyrus wrong or was Jabril wrong, but I didn't expect Jabril. And we talked about this last week to, to get this kind of run no. uh, with the injuries. And, and he played a lot in this ball game and um, he played a lot more than I expected you know, he got a big interception, and uh, I think he held his own pretty well, considering. Yeah, absolutely. He he is one of those guys, and 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 I don't think that I have a quick hook on. Uh, you know, I hate to say write somebody off, but uh, sort of relegating someone to uh, merely a depth, uh, a role of depth. Uh, and I've had a couple of guys this season that have proven me wrong. Uh, you know, Jabril certainly won. Uh, Isaac Watua another. Uh, you know, definitely impressed with both of them, you know, being in the program, uh, you know, their contributions are maybe a year beyond uh, or a year later than, than maybe when I thought they would happen. But the fact that they're still happening, I think, is fantastic. Uh, I think it definitely shows some of their resolve and, and tenacity and uh, definitely glad to see it. And, and we need some experienced guys that can perform in the defensive backfield. Uh, and we need as many of them as we can get. Because uh, we've seen injuries happen, and, and we've seen you know guys kind of struggle, but uh, you know Jabril back there, you know that that same guy, that same Florida fan that uh, that that, uh, that I work with, and I was I was talking to him about you know after the Kentucky game, and he said oh, some of the just our cornerbacks just went completely the wrong way, and their receivers were wide open, and I said you know what, if a cornerback's going to get beat, I would almost rather them get beat in that way because that's coachable. If they are out there and they're running around and they don't know their ass from the hole in the ground and and they and they always are right next to the receiver but get turned around and look the wrong way and and you know get beat on those types of moves, then you have a cornerback that just can't play versus a cornerback that needs to spend a little more time watching film and now we have a very clear you know sort of coaching moment for them and so. Uh, I, and I think there's something to that, right? You know, we can go back to, um, uh, uh, um, Milliner, right. And, and his first game, you know, he really got abused by Arkansas, but then came back and, and it was an all America by the end of his career. And I'm not going to say Washington's going to be an all America, but it's the kind of thing where, okay, now let's go spend the next 30 minutes in, in the film room and break this down. What the coverage was, what everyone's responsibilities were. Okay. When we call this again, that we won't see that mistake again. And so I think that his mistake, I think was, was one that's very, very coachable and kind of to your point, uh, we're even assuming that it was his mistake. Hey, uh, what about Scott, man? I was, I was trying to, 
tell the people around us that was uh, coming to a game, get ready for a great punt, and I was uh, getting everything all ready, and and then uh, he kind of shanked it, man. I, I got I got deflated a little bit. Well, I guess he's human him, after right? all. You, you you jinxed him. You know, he comes out on the field, and you're like, oh, everybody in the whole section, watch this. This is Dave's guy. This guy, you have to watch. This is Dave's favorite player. Uh, I'm only doing a little bit of hyperbole, right? Just because I want to, you know, kind of have fun with this. But, but yeah, you know, you you all of this build up, and so everyone's just pins and needles, going to watch this guy, and uh, and he has his, you know, worst kick of the season. And so uh, I'm actually blaming you for that, just so you know. Uh, but then he did come out uh, on a second kick and had a, um, you know, he had, he had a nice boot. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, it, it sort of dribbled on into the end zone. It didn't kind of stand up on the on the three. Uh, but uh, that's not always going to happen. But it was a nice boot. He he had a, a good bit of distance on that. I know, always, still always nice to follow a thirty yarder with a fifty-seven yarder, right? Yes. Oh, absolutely. And and if you'll start running your mouth when he comes into the game, uh, and I say that tongue in cheek. Uh, then, uh, then we won't see any of those, uh, uh, those shanks. Hey, I noticed, uh, Adam Griffith was the only one kicking off the ball. I thought we might see a little Scott since we were, uh, wearing out the kickoff team. I was surprised, uh, Adam Griffith was the only guy back there doing those duties. I was absolutely surprised that we didn't see any. Uh, there was a couple points where he wasn't kicking it into the end zone, and, you know, my mentality uh, at the time was, let's put in the other guy and see if he can, if he can boot it down there. Uh, and, and, and so, okay, let's not do that. Let's give, uh, you know, Griffith uh, a, a chance to, to get back out there. But there reaches a point where, okay, now let's just get the other guy reps for the sake of, you know, in case we need to use him uh, at another time. And we continue to to not do that. Uh, I think by the end of the game, I was surprised that J.K. did not have any kickoffs. No, uh, I wanted to mention that because I, I knew that was probably something you had noticed as well. Any anything else on on kickoff uh, coverage or punts? You know, it's kind of like we we always have to get our first kickoff for a touchdown out of the way in the opening game of the season, right? Uh, you know, just to get the bugs out, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, we uh, unfortunately, you know, we should we should somehow finagle doing this in practice or something, right? Uh, let's get the let's get the crap play on film so we can analyze it and it not cost us seven in, in a ball game, you know. Uh, so we didn't we did not do that. Uh, we did, you know, so we gave it up against West Virginia. But our coverage teams have been pretty stout since then. I, I would say we've got that corrected. Well, I mean, I know you were, you know, we're happy because you know when it's not your team doing this, but. You know, they had five kickoff returns, and, um, you know, uh, the longest was uh, 18 yards by one and 20 by the other. And so uh, they were nice to give us yards on all five of those kickoffs. Man, I, look, I, I, we need, somehow we need to get a movement on this one because uh, they, will, they will flat give you the ball in the 25. It was 40 yards, David. They had five kickoff returns for 85 yards. Yeah. That means they gave 40 yards of field position to us on those five returns. Yep, for free. Uh, And so you think all of those players, though, padded their stats with those 80 yards, uh, and those 40 that you would have gotten for free are just kind of lost in the ether. Uh, That's why I think those should be tracked. Um, I, You know... 
this, I, here, here's my here's my big here's my idea. Right, there is so much talk in the NFL. This is my this is my revelation moment here. Oh, There's gosh. so much talk in the NFL about head injuries and how can we curb the head? And look, that's the right place to go. That's the right place to to think. How can we curb head injuries? Head injuries bad. Uh, and so there is even discussion of let's get rid of the kickoff because it's a collision, you know, waiting to happen. Okay, you can do that, or why don't you give the ball, give the team the ball in the twenty-five and count negative stats if they don't make it to the twenty-five? And so you run it out to the twenty. Oh, your return for the day is negative five. I guarantee that will police. People running it out. Yeah, that you will you will self-select and get the number of returns down by just doing yes. that. So if you could put in the Dave rule, then and look, if you see something on film or you see, you know, their coverage, or you just know that you have a superior return guy and you want to take your shots, that okay, that's fine. But for just any old guy that you've got back there, nope. No, we're going to take this in the end zone. You know, we're going to let it. We're going to let it bounce in the end zone. We're not going to catch it at the. You know, we're not going to catch it up by our helmet at the uh, at the one, uh, knowing that that would just go into the end zone. We're not going to do that and give up those yards. Uh, and if it went against personal player stats, that would curb that. Players would just stop taking it out. No, that's fair. I just wanted to get you worked up about that again. No, hey. I'm telling you, there's there's people listening. They're just bored of hearing me talk about it because, because you know we've done that already this season. But uh, I still I still feel uh, you know very firm about that. Anything else on uh, special teams you want to hit us up about? No, man. I think I'm good. No, I, you know we missed that one field goal. Uh, you know, you know Adam has been very good. Wasn't even close. No, it wasn't. And, uh, you know, look, it's there were points during the game, I probably said it half a dozen times, you know, boy, that field goal would look good right about now. And when we were sitting at seven, it'd be nice to be ten, right? When they when they came and tied it, it would be nice to have that three-point, you know, margin. Uh, and so we ended up clearly not needing it. But as the game continued to go on, and it's a tied, you know, tie ball game in the third quarter, and that three starts to, I wish I had that in my back pocket. And so – you know, anytime you miss a field goal, miss a scoring opportunity, you don't know if it's going to come back and bite you. Fortunately, here it didn't. But uh, at the same time, uh, Adam's been performing very well, so you can't knock him for missing one. But uh, you know, it's you know that there's going to be a game where we don't route him in the second half, and we wish we wish had we had. Uh, I can't say it out loud. We, you know, you, you wish we had those three points. Oh yes, I'm just glad in this game it didn't uh, it did not matter. Yeah, yeah. Well, anything else? Uh, anything else we missed, or anything else you want to cover? Man, there we we could talk for two more hours about stuff that we noticed, man. But I think we've uh, I think we've covered the biggest highlights. Fantastic. Well, hey, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast, powered by Bama Hammer. Check us out at bamahammer.com and subscribe to iTunes and leave us a review. We'd like to get some uh, new reviews. How are we doing this season? Uh, and uh, with some of our new listeners, uh, reach out, hit us up on iTunes, and uh, we would love to hear your authentic uh, feedback and reviews there. In the meantime, roll tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. 
We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a roll tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tide. Got that, Coach? Aye. Of course. Roll Tide.